and welcome to Supergirl's Attic. Today we're going to talk about the music of Supergirl and some meta stuff and some references. Yeah, so we're going to talk about songs that you probably noticed within the show that had words to them and actually went along with the character storylines that they referenced. But we're also going to talk about the instrumental score. Mm -hmm. Blake Neely's score. He does um, a bunch of CW shows, which some of you may recognize, like The Arrow and all the superhero shows. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he does a lot of scoring. Remember that being something that was really interesting, like back when Alias came out in the early 2000s, because they had an orchestra and an original score, and that was actually quite unusual for a weekly show. Hmm. But it makes a big difference, actually, in terms of getting music that really works for your characters and your story. Yeah. And with Supergirl, a lot of people have remarked upon how it sort of, it it seems to up the quality of the show. It, It gives it sort of like a gravitas and a weight. And the show itself, they've been doing interesting things with, like, the pop-type songs and um, lots of stuff with the score. And you can tell that the writers have a love of music because of even the way that they talk about it in the show. Not just in the show. The way that they talk about it when they live-tweet the show as well, which there were a couple of times it was hilarious. <laughs> like, oh, well, we'll talk about the Bon Jovi story later. Mm-hmm. But... We've also heard numerous times from the cast that they're clearly a very musically inclined bunch as well. So it makes sense yeah. that there was so much more music with words in it this season. The downside of that is that sometimes they go away to Broadway. Yeah. But can you blame them really? No. Like, I mean, yes and no. I don't. Well, you wouldn't. I wouldn't because I used to do musical theater. So there we go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You actually had made a note, which I had forgotten about this, that they even kind of framed how music was going to be involved from the very kind of earliest episodes of season three, because we had that conversation at the DEO with Alex and Maggie kind of bickering about how to pick music for their wedding. Yeah, it was in Triggers in three or two when they're trying to decide if they should have a DJ or use a band. And then they're totally workplace appropriate discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Like one does. When one is in the middle of a national security emergency. And then they got the the director to weigh in, really. Well, I just love the part where Alex is trying to appeal to win and then guilt him into agreeing with her in this sibling-y way. And he's like, everyone else has saved my life, too. You're not special, (laughs) and I'm not getting caught up in this fight. Yeah. And then Jean busts out. What sounds like a really scientific explanation, but it's totally one that's well-crafted to side with Alex, which I appreciated. (laughs) That's right, Space Dad. Stick up for your kids. What he talks about is the, like, listening to covers is less um, mentally gratifying. Anyway, he gives this whole speech and and it's like, you you writers, you like music a lot, huh? (laughs) So it sort of sets the tune. You're like, hey, pay attention to the music. And we're like, all right, we will. Yep. And that's obvious when you see, like, in the very first episode, you have the daydreaming song mm-hmm. that's Kara in her dream at the very start, and it comes back around at the end of the season, and this kind of sets, pun intended, the tone. <laughs> it does. I figured you'd appreciate that. I, I did appreciate that. Yeah, so, like, right off, it's like, hello, it's just music playing. A song called Daydreaming, and she's kind of literally daydreaming, or possibly sleeping while flying. Or Yeah, 
I brought that up, whether or not she might have been having, like, micro-sleep episodes. Yeah. And then it, it was cool that you mentioned that in the beginning of the season, because then dreaming was such a big deal throughout the season. Like, she mentioned it a few times that she was having trouble with sleep, and then she would have these prophetic dreams later on, and the dreams were what linked her to Rain. And then this daydreaming first song is the very first thing that we hear. And the other thing that was cool about that was it was also a little bit of a nod to the tie-in comic, The Adventures of Supergirl from season one, Mm -hmm. because there's a whole storyline in there about Kara having battles with Sai in her dreams. She was a dream warrior. Yeah, and Sai came in in this season as well. So that was clearly on someone's mind in terms of working in those elements and... It was really cool to see. Yeah. And I like to think of it in terms of the Wizard of Oz theme as well, because she she sort of goes to sleep. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Or she like wakes up kind of at the end. And- You're right. It does kind of bookend it like the Wizard of Oz, because she starts out and you see her having this like dream world and then she comes back. And when you see it again at the end, she's like, oh, wait, this isn't the thing that I want. And then she leaves. Yeah, it's sort of her somewhere over the rainbow. It's true. You know what I mean, like she's dreaming about it and then she gets it. And we see later on in episode 321, the daydreaming plays again. And Monel walks up to her. She's wearing the same white outfit and she's on Argo, which was, we got a few visual clues. That same planet is in the background of Argo when we go there. That wasn't the dream. It kind of looks like Saturn. She, it's an, it, it ties into her whole, whole thing about how she dreamed about going back, going over the rainbow. And then she gets there. She does travel over the rainbow. And when we hear the song again, we're seeing her there. And then eventually it ties back into she goes home on Earth. So then here's the real question. Was that actually Kara daydreaming then? Or was that her having like a prophetic kind of dream? Well, she said that she had been having recurring dreams. So... It could be either or both. Yeah. Well, because she also, she mentioned something later about something to do with Krypton and the ability of people to have like shared dreams or something. Mm. I forget what exactly, but it comes up later in the end of the season. I'll have to look into that. But yeah, again, let's totally change the subject and talk about Kara and her dreams. (laughs) Well, it's relevant because... This song specifically tied in a whole theme that would follow us throughout the whole season. So we had that to kick it off. And we had the conversation about DJ versus band and how those different kind of things like live performance versus a recording that you know really well have an effect on your mood and what your expectations are and how much you enjoy something. Which is funny because this season they they stopped using as many covers mm. and started using original songs more. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Because that was a whole thing in, in season one, at least. Um, I'll have to look at season two. But they did a lot of covers. Covers are less expensive. It's true. It was interesting how in that episode you had Jean's comment about how we experience music in our heads and what it does for us emotionally or psychologically. Because then in the next episode which is 303, Far From the Tree. You have a few little snippets of music for Kara, Alex, and Jean. They each get their own little kind of pop culture song woven into their storyline, and they're all really recognizable songs. But every single one of them, the lyrics that are playing within their individual storyline are also really relevant on either a character level or a storytelling level, or both. So... I know Kara is your fave, so if you want, you can discuss her awesome scene there. Well, you were the one who pointed it out 
she interrupts the White Martians from getting the staff and she comes in driving Jean's car and playing uh, Baby One More Time. Which was kind of like a delightful moment because it's been pretty bleak for her in these first few episodes. Then it's kind of like a bright moment, which is funny because the song itself is kind of like upbeat. And then it's like, my loneliness is killing me. Yeah. And she, it's really this kind of comedic moment. But number one, she says that sentence about making that suicidal turn. Yeah. Which is a hint of kind of where her brain's at in terms of just being depressed and dealing with her PTSD and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then you also have the lyrics blasting that part my loneliness is killing me which is just so accurately true of Kara at this point in her life and it was one of those things that you wouldn't notice unless you were familiar with the song yeah which obviously Kara is because we've seen Kara discussing her deep love of Britney Spears before <laughs> it's true her her OTP her like real life OTP of, uh, right? Kara would be that <laughs> geek who was into that kind of stuff though as a yeah. kid in terms of like Late 90s and early 2000s musical selections by our no longer teenage characters who are reliving their youth through background music. <laughs> With Alex, we also see, hear music brought up that she was into in season two as well. You have in the background for her wedding shower where she and Maggie are kind of stressed out. There's a Bare Naked Lady song playing. The song that they're playing is called It's All Been Done. And if you know the song... It's about a relationship where the two people never want the same things and they end up breaking up. So that was some foreshadowing, if you caught it. And also, it was just a really nice build on the little character tidbit we got last year about how she was apparently really into that band as a kid. Which, and it was already tied to her relationship with Maggie because they went to that concert. Exactly. That was one of the first big dates they went on. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. Didn't they end up not going because that was when Alex got stuck in, in the lockdown with the White Martians? Yeah. Fun fact, I actually trained as a classical and musical theater singer. So I remember getting really excited at the beginning of the season because I was like, someone who thinks about music the same way that I do is picking these songs because they're picking so many of them based on the way the lyrics add to what's happening for the characters. So like with Jean to finish up three... Th 303. One of the really cool things we see is him with his shape-shifting car. And it's this old, you know, like vintage 1950s or 1960s style muscle car. And he plays music in there. And the song he's using is a Jimi Hendrix one that came out in the 60s as well, which was an interesting choice because all of that subtextually builds to later in the season when Jean has that conversation with Alex about why he relates to the identity that he has on Earth and how it fits for him. Because all of these things with the car and the musical choices are supporting that this is part of how he sees himself and is connected to how his relationship with Earth and the people there comes together. And then also, the song was um, Let the Good Times Roll, and he was going to visit Magan, so it was a nice little, like, happy moment, even though he didn't really know what he was going to get himself into when he got there, and then he found out, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> what was fun about that episode, it happens a few times where they choose, like, music that, that fits the character and like the, or the time period but in 303 in particular with Cara's um Britney Spears song and Alex's Bare Naked Lady song and and John's song it was all it like fit their character for what they would like 
So that was interesting. Yeah. See, and that amuses me because for a while people kept insisting that Alex wouldn't be into kind of like pop music and that sort of stuff. And I'm like, dude, Alex was the one out there busting out facts about the Kardashians in season one. (laughs) Like that girl totally goes home and binges junk TV. Plus she wanted to be popular when she was little. It's true. Well, but then also we see both her and Kara jamming out together in the car on their way home from visiting Eliza in 306. And they're listening to, you know, Gwen Stefani, which was mainstream and popular. And the other cute thing when they used Sweet Escape, that song, was that you'd had the whole episode set back when they were in high school in around 2007. And that song came out in 06. So it was like something they probably listened to together at some point when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Much like how even in the season one flashbacks when they were in junior high, they were using Since You've Been Gone. and yeah, Which was not a cover. It was the... No, that was the real song. But all of those songs were things that came out the year that Kara landed. So for... All that I sometimes get frustrated with the keeping of time. Someone (laughs) is actually pretty on the ball with making sure all of that lines out from season to season, at least in the flashbacks. So it was cute to see them Mm -hmm. bopping along to the song in the car and then clearly not knowing the words, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm not going to lie. I know the song, but I don't really know the words either. So I think that's fitting for the song, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, they're weird lyrics. But the whole song is about people apologizing to each other and, you know, they both were kind of recognizing that they'd been jerks to each other a little bit Mm -hmm. over the front part of the season because they were both upset about different things. And the escape part of it because they went on a little escape. They did. And it made them both feel better to go away and go home for the weekend. And on a... A less light note, we have right. the... <laughs> Switch gears back to some of the struggle episodes from the front of the season. Yeah, um, 304, which was the faithful. Ah, that was a good episode. Yep, it's a good one. And it played my sometimes favorite song ever. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm not tired of it for playing it too much. Hallelujah, which is... And it's the cover that Jeff Buckley did which is my favorite version. And that was the big faith episode. And as opposed to being used, like kind of just like, here's a sad song. We're going to play Hallelujah. And it was directly connected to kind of all the different issues with people's faith and belief in either themselves or other people, Mm -hmm. the way it's kind of intended. Yeah. Um, And the episode itself was sort of, uh, they, they tried, they were complex about it. And I think that the song itself is complex. Um, Leonard Cohen said, I say all the perfect and broken hallelujahs have an equal value. It's a desire to affirm my faith in life, not in some formal religious way, but with enthusiasm, with emotion. And that was kind of the issue, especially with Kara, because she had lost her faith in life. Yeah, or, well, and her inspiration, I think, a little bit for kind of why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. And, and interestingly, she she ends up turning to Faith at the end of the episode. And then that was cool because it was sort of a hint that the season was going to drift toward Cara Zarel a little bit more. Yeah. As she struggles with Cara Danvers and Supergirl isn't fulfilling her the way that she wants. Cara Zarel type things start to trickle in with her, her faith and her culture and then eventually with her mother. And that was sort of the first, one of the first times that I was like, oh, we're going to get more of this. And... They did a montage at the end of the episode with Hallelujah, which was fun, um, which is how most people use Hallelujah (laughs) in in a sad montage at the end of the episode. 
But the lyrics were interestingly on point for each of the characters. It says, well, your faith was strong, but you needed proof when Alex is on the screen and she's lying next to Maggie um, because she knows that she wants to have kids, but she's sort of struggling with that. And this is where she has to confront that. And you saw her bathing on the roof, her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you, is Coville's situation that cuts to him praying to Kara slash Raoul. He saw her in the moonlight. Dripping with water after she climbed out of the... Lip, yeah, yeah, dripping with water. So, and it was a religious experience for him. So that's a perfect lyric, really. And then with Kara, it says, but she tied you to the kitchen chair. She broke your throne. She cut your hair. And from your lips, she drew the hallelujah. So, so what does that have to do with Kara? Because... Well, it sort of describes like a low point. Um, she's been torn down. And then at the end of the episode, she turns to faith. Um, from your lips, she drew the hallelujah. She's she's praying to her mother, with her mother. Well, because I was just thinking the cut your hair is probably a reference to Samson and Delilah. Yeah, that's true. Um, like the story of Samson and Delilah, Kara like, loses her power, is brought low by a relationship, just how Delilah cut Samson's hair and he lost his power. And I guess that could take us to Monel. It could. And actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because we find out in the early part of season three that Kara's convinced that when she put him in the pod that she sent him off and condemned him to death. And Alex is the one who kind of restores her faith in her decision and is like, no, no, he's fine. You know, you did the right thing. He's going to be okay. Just like you were okay. You have to believe that. And then... Monel comes back with the Legion, and we find out their theme song is Living on a Prayer, which is hilarious, all things considered. For several reasons. <laughs> well, because that was Kara's hope, that he wouldn't die when she sent him away, and that's exactly what happened. But it's also really funny, because you find out that, like, over the course of episode 310, that a lot of history from our time period got erased, and so Monel's become this, like sort of ambassador of cultural history. So the Legion just thinks that Bon Jovi is this representation of late 20th and early 21st century culture and that, you know, you really care about Tommy and Gina holding on to what they got and trying to make it work against all these insurmountable odds, (laughs) which, again, is something that you can kind of... I can see Monel relating to that, in his whole relationship that he's established with Imra and trying to, you know, get the Legion to maintain intergalactic peace mm-hmm. treaties or whatever <laughs> they're doing. Whatever but, they do in the in the future. Or however that works in the future. But it's also just really funny because at one point on Twitter, between then and episode 314, which is called Shot Through the Heart, mm-hmm. which is the name of another Bon Jovi song, but not the Bon Jovi song that starts with the words Shot Through the Heart. It's a different song. Mm-hmm. But um, but one of the writers, Derek Simon, apparently really loves Bon Jovi and desperately wanted someday to use one of their songs in a show that he was working on. And it was actually Mm -hmm. to the point that he got a signed letter from the showrunner promising that he could use a song and or a song title in an episode. I think he wrote a letter too to Bon Jovi to get... Oh yeah, he wrote a letter to Bon Jovi and I think he said something about like how he played them at his wedding and it was really important to him. Like. It's very personal to him. Yeah. And so he would definitely know that there is another song. <laughs> yes. 
named Shot Through the Heart. There is an actual song named Shot Through the Heart, and it is not You Give Love a Bad Name. Nope. And the actual song, Shot Through the Heart, makes a lot of sense for the episode about Wynn and his mom because it's all about someone who's kind of resentful that someone else has come back and wants to apologize to them and get another chance. And that's very much Wynn's dynamic with his mom throughout most of the episode because she she finally sees his father's death as an opportunity to reconnect with him safely but he had no idea of all the extenuating circumstances as to why she never raised him. And so he doesn't mm-hmm. want to hear what she has to say. And one of the lines in the song is, I've grown up and now I'm over you. And that was his attitude for a large part of the episode. Yeah, that's true. So that was really cool and a nice choice. And that was also the karaoke episode where we finally got to see everybody sing, like we've heard that they all do, for the last two years. And then they all decided to do it in a funny way. (laughs) Yeah, and it was like, in an amusing and not really serious way. Yes. I think that was the choice of the actors, actually. At least in part. I think so. And it makes sense, too. Like, just because most of them happen to sing a lot in real life doesn't necessarily mean that the characters, as people, are, like, rock stars. Mm -hmm. And that was all fun because those songs also were relevant to the characters, like with Kara's wonderful intergalactic (laughs) rap from the Beastie Boys. Which was amazing first because it's like a joke about aliens, which is really funny because it reminded me of how people used to joke that Kara would totally be the person who'd run around singing Katy Perry's E.T., But it was also amusing because we've heard in several cast interviews that Melissa really likes rap, and we got to see her do a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Which was delightful. And they took it very seriously. They did. (laughs) Wasn't she also doing the robot? Yeah. Yeah, she was dancing, too. She was showing off all her skills. (laughs) The robot was actually um, foreshadowing for Brainy. (laughs) Maybe it was. (laughs) Anyway, so then we had Alex. Poor Alex, who was really just like, a mess of typical drunken karaoke sad feelings singing about (laughs) how she misses Maggie understandably. You can tell that Alex is sort of relaxed around um, the super friends because I feel like like singing a sad karaoke song and getting emotional is like because she doesn't like to be emotional in front of people like at work and stuff well and and she also doesn't like to be seen not being good at things (laughs) that's true the fact that she was cool doing that in a public place is a that's yeah. a good point. Speaking of people being good at things, yeah. uh McCod Brooks sings and he's making a bunch of music recently. And he, James sang McCod's song Tears Away. And then next we see Jean singing. Well, he sang, and I say <laughs> sang in quotes because he was talking. He gets so emotional, baby, every time I think of you. By Whitney Houston, which again is a nod to to black cultural artists, much like with the Jimi Hendrix. And we couldn't decide if that song was a reference to any one specific life circumstance (laughs) or relationship of his. It could be a reflection of how he feels about all of his relationships as a Martian (laughs) because he can feel everybody's emotions. But then it was kind of cool because Marin also did karaoke and it was an adorably cute comedic moment and he sang suspicious minds by elvis presley 
which, if you remember, is also featured in Disney's Lilo and Stitch, <laughs> a story about an alien. So that was a rather sneaky little kind of cute tie in there, since he's also an alien. Um, mm-hmm. But also, it's kind of a nice little hint with the issues that are going on between him and Jean about the memory loss, because this is the episode where he finally tells them about it. Yeah. And it's all related to the mind. Well, we can't go on together with suspicious minds. Mm -hmm. And the whole conflict there was that Alex had figured it out, but Marin didn't want her to say anything. And Jean was kind of trying to get her to say something. So there was a lot of secret keeping and tension going on. Uh, But at the end of the episode, we finally get the resolution on it. Yeah. And then we have another Wizard of Oz reference through the artist of the song Manel Sings, which is Carry On Wayward Son by Kansas. And he was terrible at it. (laughs) And that's also such a Manel song, too, because it's all about like how you're struggling to soldier on and get things done. Mm -hmm. So again... A lot of the music that's been associated with him throughout the season that has words has been kind of hinting at the the journey. Ha! Journey. Also an 80s band. (laughs) (laughs) But also kind of been hinting at the character growth that he's gone through off screen. So using music to kind of show it was a nice way of conveying it without having to really elaborate on it a whole lot. And then we have Wind's song, which was relevant to his storyline of that episode. His final song of the episode, which is where he's changed his perspective from the whole shot through the heart thing. Mm -hmm. And they're singing Take On Me by Aha. (laughs) Aha. But it's cute. And they're having fun. Oh, but it's also kind of a hint. You can kind of read it a little bit as foreshadowing that he's going to leave at the end of the season because the chorus is the I'll be gone. Aha. (laughs) (laughs) I totally, your pun. Oh my God. I hate you so much right now. And then in another episode, we have something you were absolutely delighted about. I loved this part. Oh my goodness. So in the episode where they introduce Julia as Purity and the SWAT team is busting into her house... There she is with her giant earphones on and she's rocking out alone in her living room to Lisa Loeb singing the song Stay, which is hilarious because like as Kara's trying to approach her, the line that she's singing is, you say I only hear what I want to. And this is exactly what is happening because she's like in the zone and hasn't noticed that there's a crowd of dudes with guns surrounding her and Supergirl's literally two feet from her face. <laughs> so it was just a really sly clever little use of music that i was entertained by i don't know about anyone else you've been amused about that for a while (laughs) it was one of my favorite little moments in that episode because it was just funny and an excellent use of absurd comedy in that really intense scene Mm -hmm. it was fun so yeah and speaking of julia and music we already mentioned how Jean has brought up kind of this idea of the psychology of music and what it does for us as people. Mm -hmm. And there was also a really interesting example of this in 317, which was Trinity, when you see Julia and Sam stuck in the dark valley. They actually emphasize the fact that Julia in her real life was a musician and a singer. And Sam, when they're trying to retain their identities and their sense of self, she's like, okay, sing sing a song, find your favorite song, and just keep doing it. 
And she's like, my daughter does that when she's scared and emphasizing this idea that music can be there even when you don't have words, even if you don't remember the words, as long as you remember the tune, like there is still a power in that and its capacity to soothe you and give you hope or give you strength. And that was just a really cool little aside because the song Julia sang was You Are My Sunshine, but it was kind of neat to see that being so fundamental to identity that it's one of the things that you can use to hang on to your sense of self, which kind of comes back up again when you see Jean using music to help Marin with his memory and stuff like that. They tie together with a thing about memory and remembering. Look at that. (laughs) It's true. So then obviously we should highlight that moment in 321. It's the same episode where we had Kara return to the daydreaming song. But it's also where Marin kind of tells Jean, like, hey, it's time. We need to start preparing for the end. And this is where Alex is over and Jean is explaining about how playing opera is good for the mind because of the complexity of the music. And the song that they're playing in the background is a relatively famous Puccini soprano aria called O Mio Babino Caro. And it's this song from a comedy, weirdly. But it's this girl who's pleading with her father to let her have what she wants. And this is in a scene where at the end of the scene, Jean's like, no, I'm not ready to say goodbye to you. So it kind of mirrored that emotion a little bit. And then the broader story of the opera is dealing with inheritance after someone passes away. So that also ties in a little bit because you have the issue of Marin wanting to pass down all the memories and knowledge of Martian history and Jean is kind of resisting it. So that mm-hmm. was really cool. And I didn't actually recognize the song at first. So I was very excited when you found it. Yeah. But it's also funny that you mentioned that Jean gave like another description of how music works. And I'm starting to think, I'm wondering if he's going to have something to do with music in season four. Like if that's going to be his, the like culture he re-emerges with. That would be really funny only because one of the SPF joke spoilers was that Jean leaves the DEO and starts a band. So <laughs> if we end up well, getting that right, that'll be pretty funny. So, oh, okay. Our last note on music with words is on on the level at which people will start telling me that, that this can't be true. <laughs> because these are episode titles that are also songs and the meaning of those songs is directly relevant to the episodes themselves and the themes of the songs and the titles directly impact the characters within those episodes. And so there were two that were also references indirectly to the Wizard of Oz, which was a motif of the entire third season. Mm-hmm. The first one was episode 312, which was called For Good. It's the title of the second to last song in the musical score of Wicked, which I jokingly refer to as a Wizard of Oz fan fiction. (laughs) So it's a musical based on a book of the same name, which is literally just a reimagining of the story of the Wizard of Oz. Um, And it was an interesting choice for that episode because it was hugely foreshadowing with some of the character conflicts that happened later in the season. Because the song is about these two very close friends who end up ideologically parting ways. And basically the song is them kind of acknowledging the impact that they've had on each other, but basically saying goodbye. And that's kind of the thing you see with both Kara and Monel, And, you know, her end of that emotional journey with him wraps up 
pretty shortly after this episode. <laughs> but yeah. also, it's kind of hinting, especially with the friend element of it, with the eventual ideological split with Lena. Yeah. And this episode in particular was a Lena and Kara heavy episode. Well, she confesses to Kara that she tried to kill Edge um, a few episodes prior. Mm. And not for a good reason, just because she was mad at him. Yeah. She, at the end of the episode, she tells Kara that the reason that she's not like a murderer is because she has friends. And I think that's the sort of positive end of it, other than the foreshadowing, which is the I have been changed for the better in some aspects. Well, for the better, but also for good in the sense of permanence. Yes. And then to also connect it to the Wizard of Oz. And this is the one where people are going to be like, that's a reach. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So episode 320 was called Dark Side of the Moon. Now, they explained this in the episode. One of the reasons they used this title is because... Being on the dark side of the moon is an expression that's existed since NASA was first sending people into space because it means when you're behind the moon, the satellite signals can't get through and you're out of communication with Earth. And that's kind of what happened with Carr and Monel when they were making their journey to the unknown location that turned out to be Argo. The other thing, though... Dark Side of the Moon is also the name of a Pink Floyd album that has this urban legend around it that says that they specifically wrote it to be played while you watch the film The Wizard of Oz. And that if you line up the timing the right way, it's going to match song to song with all the different scenes in the movie, and you just play it on a loop until the movie ends. Mm-hmm. And if that crazy theory isn't convincing, the cover of the album has a prism on it and the light shines through and it breaks out into a rainbow. So somewhere over the rainbow. <gasps> mm-hmm. This what? is the episode where she goes to... Where she discovers that Argo's still there. Yeah. She goes over the rainbow. She literally goes to her over the rainbow fantasy place. Mm-hmm. And then in the next episode, she's literally dressed in a Kryptonian version of a Dorothy costume. It's true. So that was definitely a very sneaky little nod to their season long motif, which was really fun when we sat down and were like, oh, hey, this was a thing that happened. <laughs> And there was one more that had nothing to do with The Wizard of Oz, which was 313, which is called Both Sides Now, which if you've ever seen Love Actually, it's the angsty Joni Mitchell song that everybody's favorite mom and Professor Trelawney, Emma Thompson, (laughs) is listening to when she finds out that her husband maybe doesn't love her anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the case of this episode, it's a little bit more literal. (laughs) Yes. The episode is about Cara and Alex butting heads over how to deal with purity slash Julia, not knowing that for sure that there is a Julia. I have wanted this conflict drawn out more since like the middle of season one. So I was very happy that they did it because this ideological divide has always been there and they both kind of know it, but they do don't really talk about it very much. Mm-hmm. That's true. So it was cool to actually see them kind of deal with it in a way that they haven't ever done directly before. Like you saw it a little bit in season two with the issues around Jeremiah, but this was much more explicit, especially because Alex kind of escalates things a little bit. Yeah. Cause she's dealing with 
other stuff at the time. It's kind of an ideological issue as well as a, a reflection on their like emotional states and yeah. like how much hope they have, which the song sort of deals with. It, like outlooks on life at different times. And I have a quote here from Joni Mitchell, which is meditation of reality and fantasy. The idea was so big, it seems like I just scratched the surface of it. So going from your imagined picture of life of how it should be to the reality um, and trying to reconcile those two sides. Yeah. Which relates to both Kara and Alex and their, and their season long struggles. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things about it that's interesting too, is that's a song that tends to have different meaning at different points in your life because over time your perspective on stuff sometimes changes. Cause like, for example, going from being on the side of being a child and a parent-child relationship to being on the parent side of it, you realize that there's different things you have to think about and have to worry about. So you kind of see in Kara and Alex's differing opinions kind of some of that push and pull of how their outlooks on life were so shaped by different fundamental things about how they grew up and also the experience that they're having with their various mm -hmm. losses and what have you. And Kara's sort of a bit further along at that stage in, in her journey. So she has a different outlook on the struggles that she's undergoing as opposed to Alex, who's still kind of a bit more wrapped up in mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Alex is a little bit stuck at that point, which I remember getting some asks about that because Alex's behavior kind of confused some people in that episode because the scene with her where Purity kind of really digs into her insecurities and her issues that she's having kind of peeled back a layer of qualities that have always been there, but they've kind of been hidden under the surface. And you see kind of, you know, she's really dealing with the fact that she's second guessing her own choices and convinced that maybe she's unhappy because it's her own fault. And Kara's like, no. And this is where you get that cute scene at the end of the episode where she's like, you're going to have all the things. And every time it makes me think of Leslie Nope talking to Anne from Parks and Rec. <laughs> it's true. But that final scene was interesting because the song itself, which I think ties into the whole season, really, if you listen to it, one of the lyrics is, well, something's lost, but something's gained in living every day. And that's sort of the the message is that, like, Kara lost her relationship with Manel, and she's lost so many things, but she's also gained a life on Earth. And Alex lost her relationship with Maggie, somebody she was in love with, and then... She'd also previously lost her father and you hear her talking more about having lost the potential future she could have had if she'd stayed with medicine and that kind of thing yeah that's true but hopefully looking toward the future and that's kind of what the episode is about hope hopefully she will have a child and have have that life that she gave up maggie for mm. and like Kara, she also has her family space fam and and such oh this was the episode where she had that super lovely hug with win when she gets upset speaking of uh, space fam well that's a good example of space fam yeah. it is it's growth because in season one when she was upset after Kara was under the black mercy jean offered to hug her and she waved him away but this time she actually let win give her a hug which i told you that karaoke scene would have happened <laughs> it's true it's very true <laughs> Both sides now was fun for me because Tumblr user Youngblood Buzz <laughs> had like a <laughs> oh buzzy a fan mix that had the song in it, and I had already associated it with the show, 
So it was cool to see that comment. Yes. And it's also really funny that you mentioned her while we're talking about this episode because I sent her that I'm glad you're the way that you are gif all the time in a very similar siblingy way. <laughs> and then we have the non-words music, <laughs> the score, the beautiful instrumental music. Yes which was a highlight for me personally in my life. Um, again, done by Blake Neely. And this season, they have a new theme, like in the beginning. It's not the same one as they had in season one and season two. In the beginning of what? The intro music when she has the narration. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's different this season. It's she, They also changed the words. It's not when I was a child anymore. It's, uh, my name is Cara Zorel. <laughs> I'm a refugee on this planet. You said that with such an accurate inflection. That was wonderful. <laughs> I've I've heard it enough. <laughs> yeah, so they changed that music and it's also it's less like fun. I'm a young woman trying to make a way and I'm also a hero. You know what I mean? It, it's more like it kind of reflects the tone of the season, I think. It's like a little bit more serious but also still like heroic. It's a little more understated kind of mm-hmm. um so that was interesting to see I, I they do i think they still use the same like music that's in the um the season one and season two intro in other places because that's a big that's a theme for her that she just uses generally yeah. but it's not gone forever it's just not in the introduction yeah in the opening right and then you have your like four particular big orchestral pieces that you wanted to emphasize so have at it. So this season had, well, all the seasons have the wonderful motifs that they use, but I particularly loved the way that they used the instrumental music in the background of scenes. Um, and you can tell because they, they match up to similar scenes. It's not like just generic instrumental music that plays occasionally. Filler. You can, yeah, it's not filler. You can recognize the same notes and the same, um, even instruments depending on the type of scene. And I have a few of them here that I loved. And what's fun about motifs is that they become interesting in how you use them over and over again. It sort of plays off of the first time you saw it, specifically with these examples. So we have You Will Do Extraordinary Things, which is the first sort of motif section of notes that we hear in the pilot episode and happens when she's saying goodbye to her mother. And then we see that appear in other episodes when she's relating to her mother. Um, again, in the pilot episode later on, when she sees her hologram. Yeah, when Alex brings it to Kara's apartment. Yeah, she reveals that she has this um, hologram of her mother, and her mother gives her some last words that she like to remain true to herself. By now, you have become the woman I knew you were going and it's funny that the song is called You Will Do Extraordinary Things because that's a big thing that stays with Kara throughout the seasons and ha- like sort of shaped her because that's the thing that she was told that propels her to be the person that she is, um, among other things. And then in season three, we see Alora again. She comes back as a living, breathing person and not just a hologram. And that music plays that we saw in the pilot episode and that we see when she relates to her mother. It plays again when she sees her in the flesh. So it's cool because it's like bookends to their relationship because it's a goodbye. And then when we see, when she sees the hologram, it's kind of like a hello again. And then we see her finally, for real, see her again. Yeah. So that was fun. 
And then we have everyone's favorite, which is called Harnessing Anger. Yes. That one's the one that sticks out so much in people's minds because there's no real dialogue the first time you hear it. Yeah. There's just Kara having a lot of emotion and the music's all you hear. I have a fun fact about that. Tell me your fun fact. Blake Neely didn't know that they were going to dial back all the sound. Oh. Like, he thought it was going to be underneath her yelling and and the heat vision blasting and stuff like that. He didn't realize it was going to be um, featured so... Intensely? Yeah. And he was like, I listened to, I think it was a podcast interview or something, and he was like, I would have worked on it a little bit more. (laughs) Bless. (laughs) But everybody loves that section of music. Well, because it's such a powerful scene, too. The part where she's fighting Red Tornado. But, you know, it's the episode where Kat's explaining about how there's anger behind your anger. And so she's really, she's fighting Red Tornado, but she's also fighting all this other, like, inner trauma that's been there for her whole life. Yeah, it, um, she flashes back to all of this trauma. And we see, like, it's a good way to demonstrate the fact that she is harnessing anger and where this anger comes from, exactly. Um, so that's what sets up this piece of music that people will recognize because it's such a not only distinctive sound, but it was featured in the scene that stuck out in people's minds when they first saw it. Like, it, it's one of the scenes that you see and you're like, oh, this is really something. Like, the show has a lot of depth And so people remember that. Because that's one of the episodes from the first season that really stands out to people as being kind of like the thing that makes you realize that the show is going to push a little bit beyond the surface of like, woohoo, superhero show. Yeah, it's sort of one of the things that really connects to people emotionally Mm -hmm. when they first see the first season. And then, and people remember that. And so when we hear it again in other contexts, that's the base that we have, which is that she experienced this loss and she directs this loss, her anger, and she uses it. She harnesses it to help people and to, as we'll see in these other examples, not lose anything else. In season two, we have one of the standout scenes of season two, in my opinion, which is when she, when Alex is um, on that ship, which the aliens are being forcibly deported. Yeah, and she in gets, Exodus, when she's trying to help get the aliens out and the spaceship starts being hurtled into space. Yeah. And there was no way for her to manually override it. So it had to be Kara there just holding it back and physically preventing her from leaving completely from just like disappearing. So it was a very powerful moment in that. And then we have this. Well, and that also was a scene where there was no dialogue either. Yeah. Because they couldn't talk to each other. Well, they couldn't talk to each other, but also just that was where it really calls your attention to the reuse of that music in that it's a parallel sense of loss. Like the first time we heard it, Car is remembering about the first family that she lost. And then this is like, you know, she's literally on the other side of it and realizing that if she doesn't stop this, then she's going to have to deal with that again. Only this time she's on the other side of the glass. Mm, that's a, that's an interesting observation. Yeah, because she's not in the ship. Like if the ship goes, that's it. Alex is gone. Yeah. It's like that first ship making her leave. She uses that loss to prevent the next ship. From leaving. Mm -hmm. And then that makes it even more interesting when you get to the end of the season when she puts Monel in the pod because it's a totally different musical energy. Mm -hmm. So we don't hear the same song again, 
at the end of season two when she's making the decision to send the pot out. But we do hear it in the third season premiere, Girl of Steel. Mm-hmm. Which is when she is knocked out and she's underwater and Manel yells, wake up. And that's sort of the big thing with her at that moment, which is like, wake up, live your life, try to connect to the people who are around you. And she says that later on again in the episode, she says, wake up. And then that's what propels her to then go out and and be with, with Alex. And-, and the interesting thing about it too is, again, she's leveraging that she already lost him and made that sacrifice and is like, I made that decision because I am here to protect people. I need to go do it. And then you see her lift the whole submarine out of the water. And it's such a – I love that scene because it's such a gorgeous contrast to the scene in the pilot episode with the airplane. Yeah. Because it's coming up from below instead of down from above and the water element is still there and she just looks exhausted and, you know, the spark of energy and excitement just isn't there anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. But I like to think of it as sort of the turning point of the episode for her emotion. It's a it's a constant struggle throughout the season, but within the episode, that's sort of when she decides to wake up, sort of, or or begins the journey of waking up. Because she would lose everything all over again, exactly, if she didn't reengage with everybody. And so that music again for me, as she lifts the submarine into the air, kind of ties into that emotional feeling of of loss and and trying not to lose more and mourning the things that she did lose already. Yep. And then we heard it one more time in season three. We did in the season three finale, battles lost and won. We see her go back in time to save people that had died because of her decisions with Rain. She decided to go in there and attempt to kill her and and resulted in several people that she loves dying. And so she goes up and finds a breach. And this is the moment that she references at the end of the episode where she is remembering all the things, the importance of her life here on Earth. And that music plays at the same time as she's fighting not to lose people that she loves and at the same time remembering the things that she has and decides not to to let it go. And all the things that have kind of redefined her sense of self and given her a new life, all the tools to be the person that she is. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to watch the progression go from like mourning life that she lost and then using it to win back the life that she has now throughout the seasons. And we think mostly she succeeded, at least as far as we know. (laughs) And we talked about what I think is everybody's favorite. Now we get to talk about my favorite, (laughs) which is A Hero Emerges. Talk about your favorite song. Well, my favorite song here emerges is about Kara becoming a hero, becoming the kind of person that she is supposed to be. At least that's how I conceptualize it. Because the first time we hear it is when she saves the plane in the first episode in the pilot that Alex is on. It crashes into the water and she stands up on the side of the plane on the wing and she looks around and she sort of drinks it in. sort of realizes that she did a heroic thing and it's kind of the moment that propels her to continue doing this and it's the moment that starts the whole series of Supergirl you know and I wrote back in season one that the thing that I loved most about that particular moment is it's the one time that you see Kara as just Kara 
being a hero on her own terms because mm-hmm. it's before Kat's decision to name her. It's before the suit, everything. This is just Kara choosing to do something heroic because it was something she felt like she needed to do. And it's just such a great moment in the show. It's kind of like, it's like a pure moment. It is. It's like her pure heroic heart on display on the side of the wing. And even Coville is is moved. And um, that's something that's relevant in season three, because we hear that, that sound again. Yeah. In the flashback where you see it through his eyes, right? Yeah, in the episode The Faithful, which is um, season three, episode four. And it starts out with Kova on the plane. And then we realize, we don't know that it's necessary. You might catch on, but we don't know that it's the plane, the same plane yet. It's just a guy on the plane that's about to crash. And then it lands safely. And Alex stands up um, in her nice season one wig. <laughs> and... <laughs> and right. And we hear that same motif that played in the season one episode where it first happens. Everyone, it's all right. It's okay. I'm FBI. It's going to be okay. And so you realize, oh, this is that same moment and, and the sort of significance of mm-hmm. it that really resonates with Coville. And that was interesting because the music in the, in the same scene also added new context to that mm-hmm. motif because it's surrounded by, by, by this, it's almost eerie, but also like reverent music, atmospheric music. And it, it sort of reflects the episode, which was sort of creepy, but also powerful. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Like, for instance, Coville later on gives that speech, which is like totally creepy, but also like it's right in a way. He says, when I looked into your eyes that night on the plane, you were clear and free. An idea that's reflected in her later prayer. Oh, yeah. That she says to Alora, she says, Rao, protect us so that we might protect others and we shall rise a fire in his his hearth burning and free. And that sort of freedom of that moment is what we're discussing here, is that something she wants to recapture. And the music in the scene displays both the nostalgic, like, wow, this was such a powerful moment, and the loss of it, the fact that she's not really connected to that anymore. Uh, The way that I've been conceptualizing this is sort of Kara becoming the hero and the person that she's meant to be. And the fact that she's still Supergirl, but still disconnected from that feeling to me is a sign that that she's incomplete with just being supergirl. And then that brings me to the next time we hear that motif, which is in Legion of Superheroes while she's in a coma, she is trying to find out how to get out of the coma and she's trying to find a sign in the room in the um the attic of the mind. Ha, in Supergirl's attic. What? Yes. Uh in Supergirl's attic which looks like her loft. <laughs> Um, she is looking for some sort of sign for how she can get out of her coma. Um, and she finds a picture of herself when she's younger holding her cat, Streaky. Streaky! Streaky! The beloved Streaky. And she tells the story of how she, she saw another stray like her and how she connected to it and how she practiced petting it because she had to because she was so strong and she could have like hurt the cat if she hadn't been careful. And as she's telling the story, the moment that she she picks up Streaky, the motif plays that we hear, that we originally heard when she became Supergirl. I practiced being gentle. And then one day, I fed him. And he purred. And everything was okay. 
And to me, that was sort of um, affirmation that she was, she did a heroic thing. She did a compassionate thing as Cara Danvers. And that's sort of why Streaky is a sign of how she can get out. And Cara Danvers is a big part of what makes her a hero as Supergirl. Yep. Brainy relays the message that Alex originally gave her in 301, which is that Cara Danvers is her favorite person. And she said in that episode that Cara Danvers has saved her more times than Supergirl ever could. So just think about that while you try to get rid of her. And that goes back into season three, episode one, when Jean said, you saved me, remember? You taught me that my loss made me stronger. That was Cara Danvers, not Supergirl. So... The motif to me is tying in her heroic moments. Yeah, just in general. Yeah. And so she's a hero when she's Supergirl and she's a hero when she's Cara Danvers, which takes me to Dark Side of the Moon when when she's on Argo uh, for the first time and she sees her mother and such. And she's about to walk in to the council to convince them to give her the Haranel so that she can save Earth from rain. And Monel says, oh, you don't you don't have to have a disguise here. You can be yourself. You can be Supergirl. And she says, not Supergirl, Kara Zarel. And the motif plays as she says that. And that's her being a hero as Kara Zarel. Interesting. So... Your point being that the hero emerges theme from season one plays when she's each of those three roles, hinting that she needs all of them in order to really be A, herself, and B, the hero that she's always meant to be. Exactly. I like it. Which is why it's my favorite one. (laughs) And then... I loved that you wanted to close on this note because A, notes are musical. And B, I too always love ending with the Danvers sisters because it's the way all the best episodes end. It's true. So you noticed that there was a musical theme that kind of developed specifically for them this season. Yes. Which I don't have the name of it yet because uh, the season three soundtrack hasn't been released yet. <coughs> Ahem. <laughs> hint, hint. Hint, hint. Um, so there's this, this great, um, sort of gentle, nice stand for sister theme. I'm not sure if it appears at other times, but I'm going to talk about two specific scenes that we, we hear it in. I don't know, but it almost, in a way, it kind of builds a little bit on the initial theme from the pilot because it's got some of those same piano elements in it. But then mm-hmm. there's more. Well, we first hear, well, the first time I noticed it, and I'm not sure if it's the first time we hear it, but it's in the Midvale episode, which was all about the Danvers sisters, when they went flashback to when they were in, in high school. High school. The whole episode is about them, um, like, sort of learning to become sisters and, and really... Well, more being at odds with each other for a number of reasons. Yeah, they're at odds in present and in past, but... Um, when at the end of the episode, Alex and Kara have a nice discussion um, on their, their balcony um, of their house. Oh, at Eliza's house. At Eliza's house. It's Alex saying it's the first time that she understood what it could really mean to embrace Kara as her sister <laughs> and Kara making a joke about hogging the bathroom. <laughs> but also noting that that's really the first time that she really embraced being Kara Danvers. It's true. That moment is both about her being Cara Danvers and about her relationship with Alex. Um, and, and this 
nice theme plays. And then we see it again in the finale, in the last um, scene before the like teasers for next season. So in kind of like their closing beat of their season three story. Yes. They kind of wrap up everything, really. They, they talk about all the characters and what they're doing now. And Kara talks about how she realized that she, that her home is with, is here with Alex. Well, the other thing that you get in that scene, that closing scene, is the confirmation, number one, Alex saying, are we okay? Are we going to be okay? And Kara saying, yeah, we are. But it's not just a confirmation that they're okay as themselves, but like also that Kara's good now. Kara understands kind of all the parts of her journey and how they fit together. And she's kind of like a little more comfortable now recognizing all of the things that are strengths that make her who she is. Mm -hmm. And um, it was sort of interesting because it sounded like you will do extraordinary things, her, her theme with her mother a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. As Alex was talking about how she was so brave for letting go of that, of the possibility of living there. And, and then it holds, and then it shifts into the Danvers sisters uh, slash car Danvers theme. And I feel like it's a good wrap-up of the themes of the season, which is kind of letting go of that and sort of embracing. Well, it also bookends the first episode of the season where Kara was totally trying to push away all of those bits of humanity that she's absorbed only to kind of come full circle and be like, no, I need all of that to really be myself. That's as much a part of mm -hmm. who I am as everything else. And if I try to cut that off, it it kills everyone I love. <laughs> yeah. So this was a, a nice, it was a nice beat to um, end the season on, I think. It, both embracing um, the Danvers sisters and Cara Danvers because the theme was sort of about both of those things. And it was also nice to see that both visual and auditory recognition of, you know, that's the thing at the end of the day that's such a standout about the show. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it appealing. That's what makes it unique. Alex is unique to this story as opposed to the original Supergirl comics. Like it's, this is where, this is the heart of the show. It is. And it's part of what makes Kara so compelling as both a hero and a relatable character in a lot of ways. Yeah. We talked about in the first podcast episode how awesome it is that the crew and the props and the music and everything has really made the season shine for us. And so that's why we wanted to talk a little, about, a little bit about the music because it's the details which have really made the season and really tied together the themes and made it a standout season in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing to consider when you want to talk about subtext that's where you're doing character work on a subtextual level where you're using all the other kind of sensory input to to build the character and build the story and it's something mm -hmm. that i think people overlook a little bit yeah like they don't know that people are going to be like we're going to do soundtrack meta surprise <laughs> thank you for listening to our latest podcast here at supergirl's attic and we're excited to be back in a couple of weeks and give you some more fun thoughts on the show and season three in particular hit us up on tumblr or twitter if you have any comments or questions and we'll be back soon mm -hmm.